the absolute best gift you can give your baby in terms of supporting their motor development is helping them learn to be comfortable on the floor. Hi, I'm Alana Gallo. I'm a teacher, a mom to four, and the founder of Play Learn Thrive. Join me as I chat with real parents and experts as we explore all things play and child development. It's time to take the focus away from you and put the responsibility of playtime back into your kiddos' hands. So if you're tired of planning, leading, and facilitating play sessions, you found the right place. Each week, we'll explore the importance of play and how it supports child development, along with simple ways to incorporate play in a purposeful way, so you can raise confident, self-motivated kids who enjoy playing independently. Hey guys, it's Alana here from Play, Learn, Thrive. Today on the podcast, we have Dr. Britta, who is a pediatric PT, physical therapist, and she's going to talk a little bit about her background and introduce herself. Yes. So hi, I'm Dr. Britta. And like Alana said, I'm a pediatric physical therapist, and I have a practice called Progress Through Play located in Denver, Colorado, where I focus on helping parents to demystify the world of infant and toddler development and help give them peace of mind about their little one's milestones. Awesome. So that we can jump right into that. So what can you explain? Because I think that some parents might not even really know what some of those milestones might be or like, what is a milestone? What does it mean? Is it like a hard and fast rule? Is it, I know it's, you know, sometimes there's like a, you know, like a range. Can you just talk just a little bit about what that even means to get us started? As a pediatric physical therapist, um, my main areas of focus are on motor milestones. So those are ways that your baby are is moving their bodies uh, through space. So like tummy time, rolling over, sitting up, crawling, walking, those are some of our big ones in the infant stage. And babies will follow their own developmental pathway and reach all of those milestones kind of on their own time. But you're right, we do have averages and milestone ranges where we expect those milestones to occur. Awesome. So, and you said you are focused on kind of helping parents get to those milestones. So what are some ways that I think a lot of parents probably feel, I know I did when I first had, or when I first had my son, who was my first baby, that I had to like do all these things, right. And kind of be like structuring time and, and kind of like helping this process along. Like I felt like there was this like pressure to do that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Cause I think that's something that a lot of, especially new parents probably feel like, you know, it's always like, Oh, is your baby doing this? Is your baby doing that? And you know, parents tend to compare and then you get stressed out and you're like, wait, what, what should I be doing or what should I not be doing? Um, so I would love to hear your thoughts about that. I call that like a milestone anxiety, right? You go to the doctor, they have their checklist. Is your baby doing this, this, and this? And it's typically those big milestones, right? Are they sitting up? Are they crawling? And parents tend to focus on those big ones, right? And it kind of does start sending you into this comparison spiral. So-and-so's baby's already crawling at eight months old and, you know, mine just sat up. And what I hope and try to give to parents is a understanding of all of the little mini milestones that occur along the way 
that get your baby from, you know, rolling to sitting, from sitting to crawling, so that they don't have this constant focus towards this future big milestone. And they can really enjoy the journey and um, recognize all the important things that are happening in their little one's development right then and be present with their children, have that understanding of what's going on in their little bodies across all of those stages instead of getting caught up on those big ones, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And that actually reminds me of a conversation that I had. Um, I was in a mom's group with my first and, you know, like a, you know, I went to like the pediatrician had like a mom's group and I remember going and they had someone come in. I can't remember if they were a PT or an OT and they were talking about milestones and they were talking about how, like babies when they start to open their hands and then they will like start grabbing their feet, like, you know, like the happy baby, like pose. And then that they start to work their hands like up their body. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. 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 Okay. And I just remember thinking like, oh my God, that's so like, I didn't know that that was the process. And then when I was watching it unfold, I would be like, oh, oh my gosh. Like now she just, you know, he just, like is touching his knees and then however many weeks or months, whatever, you know, it kind of went up and then, or whatever the, I can't remember what the, like how the process actually goes, but it was basically like this whole idea that it's not just like a boom, all of a sudden they're doing this. It's like these other little things happen. And I remember being so blown away watching him go through all those little tiny like milestones, I guess they would be. And so I just, I think that's like so important for parents to, to have a sense of that. Exactly. It's so easy to get caught up in the next big thing when in reality, especially families who've worked with me will know this, I get just as excited about those tiny little milestones as I do about a big one. You know, I'll say, oh my gosh, your baby just pivoted to the left side. That is so exciting. I, I'm, I'm the, your baby's biggest cheerleader for every little like mini milestone that happens. And I, I want parents to be able to have that understanding too and get that excited for all of these small little things that serve a big purpose. Like you said, like understanding why it's important for your baby to discover their feet and what that leads to. It helps parents have a deeper connection with their baby. I feel like it develops a sort of empathy and understanding and compassion for all that their brains and their bodies are going through it helps you understand why they might have some sleep disturbances, right? Like why maybe we're having a little bit of a sleep regression because, oh my gosh, look at all of the amazing things that are happening with their development right now. And those are typically like the precursor skills that they're building and um, they lead up to those bigger milestones. If I were to say like, so for example, I think the three biggest things are like sitting up, crawling, or like rolling over, sitting up, crawling, and walking. Those are like the four biggest things. Would you be able to break down like maybe just two or three of the smaller milestones that go with each of those, like leading up? That way parents can kind of have a quick understanding of that, like not super detailed, but just, you know, before they like roll, they're going to, you'll see them do X, Y, Z. Does that make sense? The first thing that I always want parents to understand about development is that it happens from the top down. So they'll develop head control and then they'll start working their upper body like through tummy time. And then, you know, it keeps progressing that way from head to toe. Like they will discover their hands before they discover their feet, right? As 
they progress down their body. So it's important to realize that they need to develop those, you know, head control skills and tummy time before we can ever get, you know, our arms working to push us over. And so that's kind of the progression we're looking for starting out our tummy time early so that we can build the foundation for those future skills. But we want to give our babies a variety of positions so that they can get strong in all planes of movement. So like, for example, you used the reaching for baby's toes as one of those little mini milestones. And that is important. If you see your baby reaching for their toes, they're probably getting close to rolling from back to belly. So that's a great mini milestone to be looking for to know that your baby's probably ready to start practicing those rolling skills. Same with if they're on their tummy and they start pushing up through their arms and tummy time, but then also shifting their weight to start reaching for a toy in front of them. That means that they're feeling stable and strong enough in tummy time that they're willing to kind of take some of those risks and rotate their body and hold themselves up on one arm and that they will probably get close to rolling tummy to back pretty soon. That's so funny. My daughter is literally just started grabbing her feet. She's five months. She started grabbing her feet maybe like, I don't know, a little while ago, like three weeks ago or something, two weeks ago. I don't know. She's like having a really difficult time sleeping. And I said to my husband this morning, I was like, I feel like it's because she really wants to roll under her stomach. And because, you know, like the fourth baby, I'm like, I kind of know some of these things that disrupt. I feel like anytime there's a milestone, there's a sleep disruption. So I was like, oh, that'd be so great. Because like once they can roll on their tummy, then they're just so much more comfortable when they're sleeping like back and forth, you know, being able to kind of just get in a position that's comfortable for them versus being just like stuck. And so it was funny that you said that. I was like, oh, okay, good. That's good. I'm glad that it'll be like, hopefully soon. (laughs) You're exactly right. And I, I try to prep parents ahead of time with that understanding. And like, you know, now that it's your fourth child, that when you have those expectations and you know, it's coming, it makes those tough weeks or days a little bit easier because you already have that expectation and you understand what's going on in their body and you understand that that's an important thing for them to go through. Uh, You want them to master that skill, right? So if that, you know, disrupts our sleep for a little bit, that's okay because we know that you're about to have this big leap in your development. So having that, that compassion and understanding what's going on is important and helpful for parents, I believe. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So then I guess that leads me to this question. Um, so, you know, you, you parents realize that there's something going on and then, you know, how much should we as parents be doing to like encourage um, that skill development? I know that, you know, I, I've, I said this to you before, like I'm a big believer of just putting kids on the floor mm-hmm. um, wherever they are. Like I don't, you know, you don't need anything fancy. And um, so I would love to kind of hear your thoughts about that and just what parents can be doing and then maybe what parents shouldn't be doing. And if that makes sense in terms of Um, encouraging the development? So I always tell parents that the absolute best gift you can give your baby in terms of supporting their motor development is helping them learn to be comfortable on the floor. And like you, like you said, so what, what does that mean? How do you get your baby comfortable on the floor? Well, start them off on the floor from day one. When you bring your baby home, 
find a safe space for your baby to do floor time and start that routine early. Even your newborns can spend a couple of minutes at a time on the floor and then they continue to increase their endurance for staying down there. And then you want to vary up the position that you're putting them in down there. So you're giving them tummy play, time on their backs, time laying on either side. Sideline is often a forgotten position, but it's really important. I tell parents to think of their babies like a rotisserie chicken um, and that they are three-dimensional beings. So we want to make sure they get cooked on all sides and their muscles get strong in all different planes of movement. And so helping your baby get comfortable in a variety of positions on the floor is the best thing you can do to help promote healthy motor development. And oftentimes in our society, uh, parents feel um, pressured to maybe have all the fancy gear and gadgets and register for all the convenience items or containers is what we call them in the PT world. Um, and oftentimes you can fall into a habit of maybe moving baby from, you know, swing to bouncer to, you know, stroller to car seat. And they end up not getting a lot of opportunity for free unrestricted movement. And that is what is going to build their motor skills, not some device that props them in a position, but truly trial and error, getting frustrated down on the floor, working through um, these movements without any restriction is how they're going to be successful in learning those new skills. And so when I talk to new parents, I tell them, if at all possible, just try to choose the floor first and see if you, your baby can, can tolerate however many minutes of time of floor time before you pick them up and try, you know, a different position or hold them or baby wear or put them in a bouncer or whatever. Um, but if you make that your routine from the beginning, you'll be setting your baby up for success to be happy on the floor. No, I love that because I do think it becomes such a habitual thing where you're just so used to um, sticking them in something. And then for me, we, you know, obviously now I was a little bit more aware with my first in this, like a little, not aware, but a little bit more um, cautious, I guess. Like I, you know, wanted like a fancy blanket for him to be laying on and all of that. And, and um, now I'm like, oh, you know, as long as it's not like, tile or something. I'm like, oh, you're, you're fine. You know, she's on like a, like a pretty thin rug or, you know, and, and of course, you know, I want to make sure she's comfortable, but, um, I just, I feel like it's really like not, there's no need to overthink it. Like when, when you say floor time, you actually mean like on the floor. Like, I mean, you can obviously put down some sort of, you know, foam play mat. I am a big proponent of setting up your baby's environment to be conducive to them independently playing. And I don't feel like parents should feel like they have to be down on the floor playing with their babies all the time and constantly facilitating these motor skills. It's great to have, you know, 20 minutes to sit down there and have some purposeful playtime and engage with your baby. If you can do more of that throughout the day, that's great. But I know working parents often come to me very stressed saying, is my baby ever going to progress their skills? Because I don't have, you know, hours on end to sit down there and work on these things. And you truly don't have to have hours, you know, 20 minutes, 
30 minutes, whatever you can fit into your schedule, if you can build a routine and then the times that you can't be down there on the floor with them, just set up that play space, that floor space, whether it's with just a simple blanket on the floor, whether or not say you have siblings or dogs or whatever in your home and it needs to be in a pack and play you know, a firm flat surface is what I'm talking about. So if the floor is not safe in your home and you need to to use some type of play yard or baby gate or pack and play, that's fine. But then find what your baby's motivated by, set up the environment for them to just have that free unrestricted movement and um, don't feel like you have to be down there with them constantly facilitating. So awesome. So yes, so I, we are a big believer in that whole uh, making it a, you know, a yes space, like finding a place that's safe and comfortable and where you can really just leave them for them to do their thing, whether it's obviously as infants or, you know, even through childhood, like having a play space or something that is really a kind of a yes space is what I like to call it. And I love that you said, um, that you don't have to be on the floor playing with your child 24 hours a day, because I feel like there are so many parents that do feel like that. And they're so stressed out and, you know, oh, I, you know, have to do this activity or that activity and sign them up for this baby class or baby Einstein. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much pressure. And you don't, you definitely don't need to be doing that. Um, I'm on board with you with the less container, you know, less container is best kind of approach. So that said, I know there are some times when you have to put baby in something. So is there, do you have like a recommendation for things that people can use to kind of contain uh, if there isn't like a floor option in the moment, like baby wearing, obviously I would assume is like a good way to, um, sort of contain them, but then obviously that's not always feasible either. So what would maybe some other options be for parents? Absolutely. So I am definitely not anti-container. I don't want parents to think they have to go throw away all the you know nice things they got off their registry. But what I do like to have parents understand or kind of reframe their thinking around containers is to understand that they are not a tool necessarily for your baby to develop their skills, their motor skills. Instead, I like them to reframe it and look at container devices as a tool for you as the parent, right? So um, if you are intentional about how you use them, then you don't fall into that habitual kind of container shuffle where all of a sudden we realize baby's not getting ample time to practice their skills because they're constantly kind of constrained by these devices. So if you know, like, all right, there's going to be certain times throughout the day where I really need, you know, to get something done and, and my baby may not tolerate being on the floor for, you know, the 20 minutes that I need to go do some laundry, do the dishes, get the siblings dressed in the morning or whatever that may be. So you intentionally think about those times throughout the day and know that it's going to be balanced out by lots of time on the floor in between. And so I think as long as you frame your thinking around them in that way, it avoids the overuse. And you're right that not all containers are created equally, because obviously we have some containers which are absolute necessities, because technically a car seat is a container, a high chair is a container, a stroller is a container. Um, So Those items, obviously, you can't avoid using, but say you have 
you know, a third or fourth baby who has siblings that are getting carted around to multiple activities a day. And so you think in your head, okay, well, you know, baby's going to be in the car seat quite a bit today and maybe even in the stroller while we're at soccer practice or whatever. Um, maybe I can think of some, some times during the day where I can balance that with lots of floor time, or maybe I'll make sure to bring my blanket so I can take them out when we get to, you know, the older kids gymnastics or whatever. You just have that little intention behind how you use them and it, it avoids issues that can occur with overuse. Yes, that's awesome advice. Um, one of my biggest things was we have like the baby Bjorn like mesh seat thing. It's like a bouncer, but it's just like very simple. My thing was like, if I had to put her or any of them in something, it would be that it was super portable and I would bring it into the bathroom so that I could take showers. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, I can see you. And you'd like, whenever they move their body, it kind of bounces a little bit. So that was like my, that was my strategy. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I obviously, so I'm a mom of two kiddos who actually were both pretty high needs babies and had some reflux and all of that. And so I am never one to judge a parent for using what they need to use to get through the day. Yes. Oh my gosh, please use your bouncer to go take a shower. Parents. Absolutely. I would never tell someone not to do that. You know, like you said, so you had the one thing and you weren't, you know, shuffling back and forth between multiple devices and and you were intentional about how you used it. And then the other thing I just want parents to understand is that, you know, there are different containers that are appropriate for different stages of development. I sometimes see babies getting put in, you know, the standing type of activity table exercisers you know, that still don't have full head and trunk control, you know, and then that's, that's really um, not an appropriate type of container for that baby, right? They should probably still be in a bouncer or maybe a sit me up chair. Um, So to be aware of what your baby's kind of stage of development is and make sure that you're kind of researching what stage that container is appropriate for, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. So then the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I know this is a big thing that you like to talk about is tummy time. And I know that it's like, I feel like parents get super stressed about that as well. Um, So I would love just to have you talk a little bit about that. Like, what is that? What does it look like? When do you start? Like, what are some ways? I know parents think it just means like you have to put your kid on the floor on their stomach. But I know that there's a lot of other ways like that we personally do, but I would like for you to share just from your background and perspective, like what are some ways that parents can do that for how long and just anything that you want to share about tummy time. Tummy time has become such a buzzword, right? The parents hear it so much, but they aren't necessarily being taught what it's supposed to look like. How do I do it? What do I do if my baby doesn't like it, right? They just go to the pediatrician and they hear tummy time, tummy time. And then they're left to their own devices. So uh, I do try to do a lot of education about what tummy time looks like for, say, a two-month-old versus tummy time for a six-month-old, right? It's going to look very different, and we have very different expectations for our babies across all different stages of development in what their tummy time looks like. But the best thing you can do, like I talked about with the floor time as well, is to start it early on so your baby is used to it, It's part of their routine. And like you said, it doesn't always have to be on the floor. Baby laying on your chest, that's tummy time. 
holding your baby with their tummy down on your forearm and walking around the house, having them look and narrate, you know, as you walk around the house, walking by a mirror and having them lift their head to look in the mirror while you're holding them tummy down. Those are all great modifications. I also love having parents um, sit on the floor and put baby up on the couch so you can be face to face. Faces are so motivating, especially for our young, young babies, that it's so nice to be at eye level with them. So you have them on their belly on the couch facing you while you sit on the floor in front of them. But what I really do want parents to understand is that if your baby dislikes tummy time, there's a tendency to then kind of avoid the position. And I I truly understand how triggering that can get when you know, you try it and then baby screams and then that, you know, makes you anxious. And then it just turns into this kind of avoidance thing. And there is, there are support and resources. And I help parents through this all the time, that if your baby dislikes tummy time, there's a reason. So there is something that is making it difficult for them and we can work through that. So there are modifications. There's, you know, ways that you can use your hands to help them feel more comfortable in the position. Maybe, you know, they have some tight muscles that need a little bit of stretching out. Maybe, you know, they need to be propped up a little bit more or whatever that may be. There's always a why and there's always a way we can work around it to make sure that your baby gets that good time down on their belly because this circles all the way back to the beginning of how development occurs, which is from the top down. And they develop head control by being on their tummies. So, We do need to make sure that we can find a way to facilitate that. Just I want parents to know that they don't have to kind of struggle and avoid it and that there are ways we can work on it. Awesome. So we're going to wrap up. Would you be able to tell everybody where they can find you, your social, your website, all of that fun stuff? Absolutely. So my social is pretty active and I have a lot of tips and tricks saved on there, lots of story highlights organized for everybody. So my Instagram is at progress through play. And then my website is ptpdenver.com. Awesome. So we will put all of that in the show notes for you guys so that you can check it out. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was awesome to talk to you. Yes. Thanks, Alana. Thanks for having me. You don't want to miss out, right? Woo-hoo. Hey friend, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Play, Learn, Thrive show. I'm happy you stopped by for another week of learning with me. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. I so appreciate your feedback. I'd also love for you to join our community of over 20,000 parents on Instagram. You can find us at Play, Learn, Thrive Kids.